one. Hello, Miami. This is 305 Sports Now. I'm your host, Will. And this is the home podcast to all things Miami sports related. And this is, yes, another bonus episode. And joining me today is the host of the Manny Matsakis podcast, Mr. Manny Matsakis himself, a former high school football coach, coaching college. He's done it all. All right. And he, and he was nice enough to join us coming back from a hard trip in a conference in Texas. Coach Manny. How'd it go? Oh, it was awesome. Will. I'll tell you, I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I, uh, did some consulting in San Antonio and, uh, went down there, worked with a, uh, high school installing my offense, which is a, uh, it's called the triple shoot offense. It's a, it's a version of the run and shoot, uh, which is my background is, is run and shoot, uh, offense four wides, mouse Davis, June Jones. Those, those are some of the guys that I've known along the way. And, um, so I, you know, they asked me to come down. I, I get these um, opportunities. I, I literally fly all over the country and do these types of camps. Um, I, I did one in my, I actually had a, a group. I have to think as a high school in Miami that was running my offense and did really well. Um, Harold Barnwell, you know, the coach, high, uh, college, high school coach, you know, Harold. And do you know, do you remember the name of the school? Uh, I'll think it, it's a, it was a city school in Miami. He, he okay. flew his whole staff up to Ohio to come see me of, uh, years ago. And I uh, had a bunch of success, made the playoffs and all that. So it was pretty neat. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of schools in Miami, so forgive me if I don't, uh, I don't know, Harold, but that's great. You know, the run and shoot offense is still pretty popular. It's actually, I think the predecessor to the modern day spread in my opinion, in my opinion, you know, oh, which yeah. is, uh, what a lot of college teams are running and even some pro teams are starting to run as well. But Manny, I got to tell you, I was, uh, I was, when I was doing some research for, for this podcast, I'm, I'm amazed, my friend, you have done a lot in several different in several different situations from, from small schools to working at big schools, to work at the high school level, to working at the lower collegiate level. You've done it all. You've been a tight ends coach. You've been an offensive coordinator. You've been a head coach. You've been a special teams coordinator uh, but one thing that uh, that really caught my attention is that you were part of the Texas Tech Red Raiders when they were when they were introducing the first ever air raid offense in the early 2000s uh, under Mike Leach. But before I get into Mike, before I get into Mike, you started your coaching career with a legendary head coach, Bill Snyder, over at K-State. How was that experience? Oh, it was fantastic. Hey, I just found out where Harold was, Miami Carroll City High School. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I, I, I didn't think of that name. There you go. Yeah. They, they yeah. They've won state championships on quite a few occasions. <laughs> yeah. So it's, they were a big part of my offense and we'll get to coach Snyder's. Uh, um, I, I sort of, I made the, uh, the jet sweep popular. So when you see that okay. receiver come, that mm -hmm. was part of the deal and, and Harold loved it and so forth, but, you know, getting back to coach Snyder, I mean, that was a great staff. I've been fortunate. I've been on some great coaching staffs. You know, I think back, um, you know, I was on the, the very first staff with bill and in Manhattan and we were the, um, all time losing football program in the history of college football. And now it's considered the greatest turnaround in the history of college football. And, um, just my buddies on the staff. I mean, Bob Stoops was our secondary defensive backs coach, Mark Mangino. He was a GA with us and became a running backs coach. Um, we had, I think, I think it was like eight of us ended up being, uh, division one, uh, head coaches off that staff. So that was a lot of fun. Learned a lot from coach Snyder detail oriented. And, you know, he's, 
it is funny. He, he, when we were there and things were going great, he turned down jobs like Alabama, you know, he, he did not, he was very loyal to where he wanted to be. And, uh, he, you, I think you, USC called him to be their head coach, turned him down. I mean, it's crazy, but, uh, he never told us about any of that till after he retired. And I was in New York city with him when he, uh, you know, was, was inducted in the hall of fame a few years back. Yeah, Bill's an amazing coach, you know, when he was, especially when he was in his prime, you know, and, and it shows how good of a coach he was because Kansas State really hasn't done much since, uh, since he even retired. Even when he came back again, you know, for a second stint, they still produced some pretty good football over there at K-State, including beating my Miami Hurricane senseless on, a, on one occasion. I, I think Randy Shannon was a goal stand. Yes. Right? It was a goal. Yes. <laughs> and you, even, and yeah. you even, even recruited Arthur Brown, who was supposed to be oh. a Hurricane. And awesome. he went to and, and Snyder got him and he was in yeah. K-State. Mm -hmm. So this picture right behind me, you see that I've got a picture yes. of it. That was, I was the offense corner of the Winnipeg blue bombers in the Canadian mm -hmm. league. And that, that quarterback, yes. uh, Michael Bishop was the uh, Heisman trophy runner up to Ricky Williams. And he, yep. and he played at K-State for us as well. So that's right. I remember, I remember yeah. Bishop was a heck of a quarterback. That's think, for sure. So Brent Venables, was a GA yes. for us there. He played there. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, he played. I coached Brent, actually. You know, he was on special teams guy um, when he played for us. So it's pretty neat. It was a great place. Um, I'm from Ohio originally, so heading out mm -hmm. to Manhattan, Kansas was, uh, ooh, it was, it was not uh, what I had expected, you know, but it was fine. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was uh, you know, brotherhood, you know, the coaches that all started it all at Kansas State. Yeah. Also, Kansas State is a huge college town, you know, so. Oh, yes. Yeah. So so Kansas. So Kansas State football literally runs that town. So it must have been a great experience for well, you, you, you know, being you a know, part of that staff. As you say that, well, my first trip to Manhattan. So I'm driving down I-70 and then you come off and I don't know, it's about it's about eight, 10 miles to Manhattan off of the highway. So it's not an easy place to get to. And uh, back then it was just a two lane like as asphalt road. I mean, it wasn't anything fancy today. I think it's six lanes highway and it's called bill Snyder highway. So that tells you how big football is up there. Oh, definitely. No, I'm bill Snyder as, as well. You know, I love, I love bill, you know, even though he kicked my Kings butt, you know, that one time, you know, I'm a bill, I'm a bill Snyder guy. I like coaches that stay loyal and, um, and like, there's very few coaches like the Bobby Bowden's, that remained, you know, with their football team for a long time. And, and, and a guy like Tom Osborne as well, you know, who was a uh, partner, uh, played um, coach in Nebraska for so many years yeah. as well There's very few. Now that everybody just seems to jump, you know, which I, I don't mind because we benefited from one of those jumps <laughs> in sure. particular, yeah. you know, but no, which, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. As you say, it's a tough thing to do. I mean, Bob Stoops stayed at Oklahoma the whole time. I mean, yeah. And, and, and he's a legend there, you know, it, but I, I think it depends if it is your, your dream job or not, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and some guys, they, you know, they start lower levels, they move up and then maybe they get their dream job. But, you know, I, I agree with you. You'd like it for a guy to stay when he's successful, but you know, when that next school, next school starts to call and it's home or it's, or there's something about it. Uh, it's tough to turn down, especially the money nowadays is ridiculous. Yeah. Especially our situation. Cause as we mentioned yeah. before, we, we started this podcast, coach Cristobal has wanted to be the, the Kings head coach for a while. Yeah. And he got snubbed uh -huh. a couple of times, you know, by the university, but eventually, even though he was pretty successful at Oregon, you can't argue 
even though you have your detractors, uh, whether on social media or the media itself that, you know, uh, regarding some mistakes he made while in-game coaching, you can't argue with the fact that in four years, he, he went to three Pac-12 championships, right. won two of them, won a Rose Bowl, had a top 10 recruiting class, you know, every single year, won at least nine games. That'll get you big money anywhere. And there's very few guys like Saban and, and Dabo, you know, that every year you expect them to be in the national championship game, you know, so and so you have to uh, uh, take chances sometimes in college football, especially when guys have experience and they're successful and they've proven it at the highest level. Well, there's no question. I mean, as you say that, I think, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I started a magazine and why I'm going there, you'll see in a minute years ago, it's called it's uh, American football monthly. I sold it to a guy and he's in uh, Jupiter, Florida, right up the road from okay. you now. And, um, but it is the trade journal for football coaches. And we, um, at one time had the most, uh, complete, uh, head coach search firm out there. And we had done all the analytics on what people would want. They would hire the company and so forth. And uh, what the probably the biggest thing I noticed in coaching hires is when a guy gets fired or or leaves, it, they gen, generally they hire a guy that is opposite. And I'm talking like opposite, like fat guy, thin guy, you know, I, that opposite. It doesn't matter. It's crazy how they do this, you know. So you know, someone that like Lincoln Riley is a certain way. Well. Brent Venables, totally different guy. I'm talking, they look for opposites. So, um, and I think Miami was just in that situation over the years with these numerous hires. Um, I think they got it right with Mario, uh, but, you know, but I, I don't know that they wanted that type of a, you know, intense, you know, off, former offensive line guy. Yeah, there's just a, it's a different type of deal. I mean, they're, they're going to come get their work done. It's not going to be an easy place, you know, just to, you don't just get to put the helmet on and represent the you, you're going to have to earn it with a guy. Oh, definitely. Like yeah. So yeah. He's I think it's totally, different. Di he's different from Manny. Uh, Manny was more of a player's coach and Mario could come across that way, but Mario is incredibly intense. Mm -hmm. um, he's actually very intense. The moment, the moment after his press conference, he was right at a, he was, he went to central high school to start looking at potential recruits and basically try to get some players in and keep players and let them know that things are going to be okay. So he's a tireless guy. And one of the highlights that, that everybody had last year was when a guy, one of his players, I think wide receiver got a taunting call and it came out on ESPN. He just lit the kid up, you know, on national television, which is different than Manny's approach. Manny gets up, will get upset, but he'd be more like a, like calm, cool and collected, you know? So yeah. So they're opposite. You know, the only thing they have in common is that they're both Cuban you know, by, by ancestry, but they're opposite guys in terms of how they approach, you know, their players, how they approach the game and, uh, and, and including, you know, um, even, even recruiting, like Manny was a great recruiter. And I think he, he doesn't get enough credit. Uh, he gave Mario literally a, the keys to, a I would say to a Mustang at the moment on offense, at least, because we have some studs working against you later on, you know, on offense. And uh, so, so Mario's coming in with a good, with a good, uh, with a good, you know, full of cover, but at least at the 2021 class, but because of what, you know, the whole situation that Manny was left hanging, Manny Diaz I'm referring to was left hanging uh, only about eight uh, at the moment, only eight recruits signed or, or verbally committed. Yeah. It's tough because they were unsure of who was going to be the coach. So that created a, uh, a major effect. We'll get back into that in a minute. Cause I also want to get yeah. into the whole Manny Diaz situation with you as well, but I want to talk about Mike Leach because aside from coaches for, uh, for, I would say, 
the mid 2000s, 2010s. Mike Leach was the coach that everyone uh, everyone wanted down here because of the air raid offense. So a lot of us felt, including myself, that if Mike would have gotten the job, we could have put up 50 points a game with the talent we had at the University of Miami. You were the special teams coordinator at, uh, at Texas Tech when he first introduced the air raid, and now everybody seems to be doing a variation of it. What is uh, tell, me, tell us about Mike Leach, the individual, and what was it like uh, uh, working under him? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I never felt like I worked under him. I always felt like I worked with him. Okay. Uh, and, and there's a big difference, you know, like Coach Snyder, I worked for him. You know, it was okay. different. You know, M- Mike um, is the smartest coach I've ever met. And, and, I've, and I've met Nick Saban. I've met Bill Belichick. Mike Leach is the smartest football coach I've ever met. Now, um, I, I think his as a person, he's fantastic. I mean, he's very genuine. Um, and I think because he's so smart, sometimes people don't know how to take him, you know, so, you know, he, he gets a, a very, you either love him or, or you're sort of taken aback by what some might consider his quirkiness. But mm-hmm. um, he, I'll tell you what, you can see what's going on in Mississippi State, and they're just hitting the tip of the iceberg. It's going to get crazy. He's, he's just starting to get some things put together there. And I know I had a conversation with him once when we were down in Key West, and he, he told me that uh, Miami was one of his, he thought, a dream job because of the offense. He thought he could go there and win, I'm talking multiple national championships. That was how he felt you could recruit at a place like Miami for his offense. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think he, he just sort of said that is a place. University of Houston was one like that. Uh, he thought Southern Cal. He only named like that was it. You know, it just fit his system because he could get those great players that, that fit for him. Yeah, we totally agree. A lot of us were disappointed that he wasn't at least given a shot, you know, and hired. And they went with Al Golden, you know, at that time that Al Golden had won at Temple but he was seen more as a, as a corporate type of uh, head coach that would follow the line more so than Mike, who, like we mentioned, was a bit quirky. That interview must have been interesting. And he's actually been interviewed several times here because of his popularity by mm-hmm. our South Florida radio host. And they just get a kick every single time he's on the show because, like you said, he's incredibly genuine. He's off the cuff, you know, when he speaks. Oh, yeah. And, and he speaks his mind. You know, he yeah. speaks his mind, you know, as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean – as far as um, as far as uh, as Mike Leach, one thing that we like about Mike is that he's always been um, a big fan of quarterbacks, and that leads us to mm-hmm. our next segue. The ACC, you know, the ACC gets uh, a reputation for being the little brother of the SEC, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, the SEC is considered the king of college football, and the ACC is considered, you know, Clemson, and that's it. You know, it's pretty much what, how people feel about the ACC. And Clemson has proven it. Clemson has won a couple of national championships under Dabo Sweeney. And, uh, and they've actually beaten, you know, they've beaten Alabama. And they've been quite successful, you know, the national championship game with Deshaun Watson and also Trevor Lawrence. But one thing, you know, and since you're an offensive-minded guy, I like offense as well. I love defense too, but there's something about offense that I greatly enjoy. I want to I wanna go over um, the, uh, the quarterbacks of the ACC. The ACC probably has some of the best quarterbacks in the country, but because they're in the ACC, they don't get a lot of credit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot some names at you, and you tell me what, what you think afterward. Um, Sam Howell, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. DJ Ugale, five-star, you know, over from Clemson. Brennan Armstrong, Virginia. Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh. 
Malik Cunningham over at uh, at uh, Louisville and Tyler Van Dyke over at the University of Miami. Those are those are the quarterbacks that are located in yeah. the ACC. So I want to mm-hmm. ask you a question. Uh, since you have experience coaching quarterbacks and coaching offenses and tight ends as well, but what does it make? Because sometimes uh, they come from high school, they're five stars. They go to, they go to college and they're not that good. Some like Tate Martell, who was a five star quarterback, just could not cut it at any school he was at. So mm-hmm. what does it take to be a good collegiate quarterback? Well, I think first and foremost, it's um, being able to be a student of the game. I mean, it's really between the ears. That's where a great quarterback is. I mean, the great ones um, are all extremely sharp. The the ones that win you championships. Uh, I I think that's number one. Also, the ability to lead when they enter a room, you know, they're a leader. I mean, they have that what we call the it factor. I mean, I can't tell you, you know, I was telling you about Michael Bishop when I coached him at Winnipeg. He, we brought him in the middle of the season. The moment he stepped in the locker room, they knew he was the man. It was, there was no argument, but I mean, defense, everybody, you know, they all rallied around that guy, you know? So I think that it factor is big right now. You know, you see some guys in the pros that certainly have that. You know, it's interesting, and I don't, you know, having coached in Canada also, you know, you look at the Kalaros kid who used to be the quarterback at Cincinnati, you know, and uh, he's getting ready to maybe win his second Grey Cup in a row, but that's what they say. And Travis Kelsey and he were on the same team at the University of Cincinnati, and and Travis says, hey, he's the dude. I mean, Patrick Patrick Mahomes is great. He goes, but that guy, he, he goes, he will will you to win, you know, so it's, I think it takes that. It's not, especially when you're talking about those guys in college, not all those guys will be pros. Uh, Some of them will be fortunate to back up somebody, you know, which, which is, you know, that's a great opportunity, you know, but I I think that's what it takes uh, and to be extremely coachable and, and, um, you know, and, and be a guy that can will your team to win. And and I, I think those are, those are the key aspects of a good quarterback. So I got to ask you, Tyler Van Dyke, you know, being from Miami, yeah. uh, this is where Miami based podcast, uh, Tyler Van Dyke came into the season pretty much a quarter in Derek King gets hurt. He comes sure. in. It's unexpected. He is a freshman mm-hmm. right off the gate and he just literally lights up college football. Um, so I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've been keeping up with Tyler, but what do you, yeah. if you have, you know, can you give me, what is it, what is it that Tyler has that has, that has made him make such an easy transition into the NCAA? Well, one thing when you told me that we we're going to talk about him specifically, I went, I watched um, Miami Pitt, uh, watched Miami, Virginia tech. And I also um, watched um trying to think there was one other game of him also i I watched three games and all all the stuff just to see you know because you hear about guys but now that's a lot of it's like you know talking heads you know but then you go analyze it like a hate to say you know like a john gruden you know when you actually look at this stuff you know the shows that he used to do but you know the things i noticed about him is he one um I like his range, you know, his height, you know, he, he's got the measurables there. Uh, he, he dealt with a, a few bad snaps, you know, and he, and he was athletic enough to pull those out, um, which for a coach is, is great. He does have very good arm strength. He can throw the deep ball, which I thought 
surprise me for a young guy. Uh, so, so I think he, he definitely has that. And what I really liked was his poise in the pocket where he was very smooth, you know, very little wasted motion, his feet, when his feet would get set, the ball would get released. And, and, and it's, that's all about mechanics. I mean, when you look at a quarterback, like his technique and so forth, you want to find a guy that I always say, uh, his feet are like a boxer and his hips are like a golfer swinging. And then the arm action is like a tennis pro serving. And, and he's got a lot of that. I mean, it, it was more uh, for a young guy. It was further along than most. So I think those are some of his strengths. I think the coaches there did a nice job with him um, running enough zone reads and RPOs with him because the, the his biggest weakness was handling pressure. He 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 struggled to go from the first read to the second to the to the outlet. He, he that's when you had problems. I mean, if he was dealing with pressure defense, that's but but that's a young quarterback at a lot of I don't know any freshman that can deal with pressure like that. You know, it's yeah, just um, the way it goes. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of his worst games, especially in the first quarter, was against Florida State which is our, our arch nemesis. And he had not faced the pack, even though uh, Virginia Tech has a good defense. Uh, mm-hmm. And even, even though they, they do have a good defense, you know, the record didn't show it. They, they didn't allow a 300-yard passer until he, you know, literally carved them up. But mm-hmm. that was after Florida State. Florida State had one of the best pass rushes, you know, in, in all of college football. The record doesn't show it, but they were top sure. 10 in tackles for loss. And they yeah. got one guy going to the NFL, and they got Marvin Jones's kid probably coming in real soon you know his son uh i think is going to commit to florida state i'm not sure if he has or not yet so when tyler in the first quarter was facing that 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 front four of the seminoles there was uh three turnovers occurred you know he had a two, two the two interceptions and the one fumble when they finally readjusted and they got the ball out quicker and he got his confidence in he lit up the seminoles as well like he did everybody else throughout the year so I'm, uh, it's, it's cool that you made that observation because it's you're absolutely right whenever he was flustered early on uh, he did struggle a bit, like the North Carolina game, like the Virginia game. But the moment he got in a groove that the the, the offense was able, the offensive line was able to pick up blocks for him. He was a, a definitely a lot more successful. You mentioned mechanics. He has an interesting uh, throwing motion because mm-hmm. he used to pitch in high school. Uh-huh. So a lot of times, most of the time when he throws the football, his, uh, the ball comes out diagonally. So I want to ask you a question. Are NFL scouts going to try to fix that or is his accuracy so good and his deep ball so accurate that the NFL scouts will kind of ignore it? Ah, uh, <laughs> it depends. Depends on what team, you know, some of these guys, they throw that way. They can, you know, you look at Kyler Murray, you know, some of these guys that, that have that off tempo throw so to speak you know but but there are some places they'll never take a guy like that and i, I think like you know across you know on the on the on the on the gold coast the west coast you got a kid named tom brady over there who's perfect you know and uh mechanics and so forth. that that that's the one that's why he wins i mean let's not kid ourselves his poise is tremendous but he i, I think that's a big part of it. And I think a lot of these young guys, and I think Tyler, I'm sure has it. Most of these guys have their quarterback guru. That's not the coach on the team. They go places, you know, and, and a bunch of them, when they find that, that guy, they'll actually fix it before he ever gets to that point. I mean, 
I mean, right now, if he were, you know, he's young, I mean, he's a kid, you know, if he goes to the NFL, he, he get cut the first day, he'd have no shot because it's the game so much faster up there. So he, I think it's going to take him some time. And, and if he really wants to play at that level, then uh, he's going to have to shift the mechanics because he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Kyler Murray. If you get what I'm saying, it, yeah, it's those guys just do freakish things like that and take over games. You know, I, I'm not saying he may not win y'all national championship someday. Hopefully, you know, depending on what Mario does offensively, it gives him a chance, but he, he needs a great run game to really, I think, flourish as a passer. Oh, definitely. And Miami has the running game. I mean, we have four yeah, talented backs. Yeah, yeah, we do. Definitely. We have four, even five talented backs that we're afraid that they're going to end up in the transfer portal. And speaking of transfer portal, uh, a couple of, um, of writers down here were afraid that Tyler Van Dyke would transfer since Manny Diaz uh, was let go by the team. And also Rhett Lashley took the job at SMU, but he did say he was staying. But I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, we, meant, we were talking about earlier before we started. Um, you went through a somewhat similar situation at, at your previous job at Defiance, mm -hmm. uh, where you, where you had a major disagreement with the university, if I'm not mistaken, according to, to one of your podcast episodes, from what I remember, Manny, and there, it's, it's divided here. Some people say, Hey, it's business, you know, case mm -hmm. okay, the guy made the, the guy's coming out with like $9 million in buyout money. Others like myself believe that he should have been given at least another year because he had all this talent coming back on offense and it would have been his own recruits. So my question to you is, and for the record, for those who are like, ah, you know, out there, out there in the podcast, but oh my God, who cares? Listen, I'm glad Mario's here. I just don't like the way the university handled it. Okay. I'm a huge Mario Cristobal guy since his FIU days. So before I get any hate mail, <laughs> I'm glad he's here. Just wish it was handled differently. That's all I'm saying. But if you were in that situation, you know, that Manny Diaz was in, knowing that they're literally courting a replacement for you, how would you handle it uh, as a coach? Would you, would you have, you know what said, the heck with it, you know, just fire me. I'm not going to go out recruiting, you know, if you're just going to let me go anyway, or would you just be like, well, I'm just going to do my job and whatever happens, happens. Well, I, I think his situation is, is a little different. I, I, I know that he, you know, he enjoys being a head coach, you know, I, and, and I don't, and he's a very good defensive coordinator. At least he's, he's done that at other stops along the way. And I think with that buyout, he's got, he's talking that whole time. It's hard when the media looks at it, but from a coach's perspective, he is multiple times throughout the day, talking to his agent, they are getting separation agreements ready. It's not like he didn't know. The only thing that was going to happen was in the end, uh, had Mario stayed at Oregon, he was still going to be the head coach. They weren't looking for anybody, but Mario that it wasn't like, we're going to replace this guy. It's just like, he was number two. If it was, if the job was wide open right now and they were both available, Mario would have got the job because of what he recently done. So I, I think, you know, sometimes as a head coach, um, you got to check your ego at the door and it's tough on Mario because his family's from down there and so forth. And, and I feel for him, I think, I think that the biggest issue was no athletic director, not knowing what you're going to do. And then, and then you start to get booster involvement. And anytime you have booster involvement, that's gen generally a very bad 
perception to fans and media. And, and that's really what, what happened. It's not like, Hey, Mario's good. He, I mean, he's set for life. I, I mean, coming in, coming in right now, coaching he, he's it's where he wants to be. But then again, so is Manny he's set for life. So no matter what, you can't feel sorry for any of these guys. And, and in the end, if Mario, God, God, hope not. He pitches a, 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 you know, a bunch of losing seasons. He's going to be looking for a job himself. He may be an O-line coach again at Alabama working for Saban. You, you don't know. That's just, it's hard to imagine that because there's so much energy around him being down in Miami, but you're only a couple seasons away nowadays from the next job and, and hopefully it works out for him there and he can keep great coaches. And nowadays you better be able to pay those guys, those top assistants, or you're not going to have success recruiting or anything. doesn't matter yeah. who the head guy is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing though, because for Randy Shannon, for Al yeah. Golden, for Mark Rick, they spent a little bit more money, but uh, for, but for Manny Diaz, the university of Miami was a bit cheap. You know, they, oh, yeah. you know, they were pretty cheap. I mean, we got Rhett Lashley by a miracle from God, you know, because yeah. Rhett Lashley was a coveted coordinator and he had success at SMU and he had success at Auburn, but it was pretty cheap, you know, and, uh, but he was literally using Miami as a stopping ground for his next job, the publicity that the hurricanes bring, you know, it was very helpful, but, uh, but now they're basically telling Mario, whomever you want, yeah. you know, whatever you want, you know, it's yours. And we've got, you know, major boosters that have jumped in like John Ruiz, the Mascanosa family. I also believe that maybe Dwayne The Rock Johnson might throw a couple, couple, couple cups of change, you know, at the Canes as well. You know, seeing that he knows Mario personally as well. So Mario has literally, we're talking about bringing in Joe Brady, who won an, a, as offensive coordinator, who won a national yeah. championship for LSU just a couple of years ago, and that looks like it's going to be, uh, might be our next offensive coordinator. At least that's what the media says. We don't know yet until it's pen to paper. Yeah. We can't say, but there are, yeah. uh, but there are, there is mutual interest according to several respectable oh, wow. outlets. Yeah. yeah. So that's and huge. So they give you more everything fits. he wants. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, definitely, definitely, definitely. Just, yeah. You just don't know. I mean, you look at some, some different OC hires and, you know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, LSU uh, hired Matt Canada and was paying him over a million and now, and then they fired him in one season. And, mm -hmm. and now he's the, he's what, Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinators. So, so I mean, this business is crazy. It's got to be a fit. I think it's not so much like, oh, here's the guy's stats. There, there's all, there's a lot of moving parts. Who's the O-line coach? Do these guys all work together? And, um, you know, who the great recruiters are. Because if you don't have the great recruiters, um, you, you, you might think you know everything moving the ball. And all of a sudden, those, those chess pieces aren't as good as what you thought. So you, you do win with players. So you better recruit them. Yeah, that's what happened to Willie Taggart. I mean, Willie Taggart had, whom you know personally, Kendall Bryles, yeah. you know, on his staff as offensive coordinator. And Kendall's a great coach, but yeah. it, it just didn't work out, yeah. you know. And and after Miami blew them out at, at home, you know, everybody was like, oh, and they brought in Mike Norvell right after, you know. So, so you're absolutely right. So I hope it does work out. You know, Joe Brady's system do, does fit our caliber of players because, I mean, we have, a, we have amazing wide receivers you know, at our, at the university of Miami, literally amazing wide receivers, a, a couple that made catch of the catch of the week on ESPN, you know, yeah, a seven I'm and five sure. team. Yeah. yeah. A seven and five They're team, great. you know, at, yeah. And end up making major highlights, you know, at a, at a major, at a major network. So I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad we talked about this. I wanted to hear, 
from a coach's perspective, you know, uh, what, what is, what goes on behind the scenes, you know, in those types of firings and that type of dealing with administration, you know, uh, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you could set, you could shed some light on it, you know, in regards to how college football is basically a business, you know, you're a season or two away from your own job. And we're really seeing that, especially with, uh, with how many people are just leaving their schools and making big time money. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just think about LSU, the last three guys that were all fired, <laughs> won national championships there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting how it goes. And then you get a hot name like Steve Sarkeesian. He's sitting down there in Austin, Texas, and they're not too happy one season in. So yeah. it, it it's, it's, you know, Miami's right up there. I mean, it's one of those top five programs um, historically, thanks to Howard Schnellenberger, you yes. know, and uh, you know, he, I mean, he, he made the, you who we kidding, you know, all these other guys just get to live off of that, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Schmelenberg is a legend out here. You know, he regrets taking that job at the USFL. He actually said that in an interview. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah. I know. coached against him once he was uh, at Florida Atlantic. I was a head coach at Texas state and we, came Oh, that's right. Them. Really good man. I mean, he was so gracious, tall, big joker. Jeez. Yeah. He was, you know, he, he was really just awesome. I mean, I remember speaking at a coaching clinic in Orlando and he sat in the front row to hear me speak and, and came out and talked to me. Just such a quality guy, um, you know, and, and he's a pro, you know, there's no question. The man's a pro. And, and, and you know, as we all know, you down in your part of the world, your neck of the woods, you know how it is. So, yeah, he had a he had a great sense of humor, too. You know, yeah. he used to make weekly appearances. Well, not weekly, but he'll make appearances sometime at one of uh, one of our more famous uh, uh, radio stations, radio broadcast shows. Okay. And the, the guy runs kind of like more of a comedy type of thing than he does actual st- statistics. And Howard would do, you know, voiceovers for his promos and all that. And it was it was pretty funny, you know, regarding Howard. Howard had an interesting technique. I, I, I want to share this with you. Um, when he was trying to build the U with guys like Stanley Shakespeare, and then later mm-hmm. on guys like Melvin Bratton, Alonzo Highsmith, you know, and Bernie Kozar, if he liked you, one of his biggest tricks, you know, one of his biggest tricks to get you to come to university of Miami, he would personally leave his pipe at your house <laughs> on purpose. He that. would leave it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd smell it and know it was coach Schellenberger. That's great. Yeah. As we told the kids, he's like, Oh, I forgot. Give him another reason to go to the kid's house. That's right. You know, and talk to the kids and it works. He could recruit, man. He can recruit. Oh, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Before he became, before him, before him was Lou Saban, they almost, they almost shelled at the program. Like they were going to get rid of it because UM was so bad, you know, and uh, Lou Saban did some decent recruiting. And then when he took over, he took it to another level. I mean, the guy had Jim Kelly, Bernie Kozar, you know, on the squad. Then Vinny Testaverde came in, you know, as a freshman under Howard. And then Jimmy Johnson took those guys and, made him into superstars and recruited his own guys. Well, you know, the history yeah. of, of the U I mean, it's, it was, yeah. it was everywhere. Legendary. All right. So now I, so now, okay. I want to make this uh, about your show, you know, you put oh, on okay. and I've listened to a couple episodes of your podcast, uh, the Manny Misaka show. And I, and I gotta say, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy when I enjoy hearing you talk to a couple coaches, a couple coaches that, you know, many of us know the names of like Art Bryles was, I thought that was a phenomenal interview, interview we had with him. Uh, the Manny Misaka show, it's a, it's, if, if I'm, if I, if I'm wrong, but um, maybe you could um, enlighten our viewers, our listeners, 
it's basically a, a show for, for potential head coaches and motivation for them. Am I right or wrong? Uh, it, that, that's along those lines. I mean, what happened on that show was two years ago, I just did it just for the sake of doing it. Right. So I, I shot out 21 episodes and then all of a sudden it, it was like considered critically acclaimed. Like uh, there was like an article had like rank number nine of all podcasts for American football coaches. So it is geared toward coaches, but the topics are not uh, just talking to coaches. I mean, I've authors on there. I've got, you know, different types. And sometimes I'll even do a monologue. It's just me talking. And I, and those will, those will be coming up where I'm teaching coaches success principles and so forth. So it, it's designed first and foremost, I, you know, you've got like, what is the mission of this deal? I want to help coaches. That's why years ago I started American football monthly, the magazine, right. And, and then sold it. So I've always had a desire to do that, but recently after uh, some time off and I restarted this uh, podcast, to me, it was all about uh, helping coaches create that football coaching life on their terms. It's like, how can you make your life fantastic? And it, it can be anything. It, it could be, you know, three or four episodes ago, I interview a guy that's in Vienna, Austria, right? And he is a head football coach of the Vienna Vikings. And, and, and they, he's, he's been there for 15 years and he, he was coaching at Cal Berkeley, you know, and then as a GA and had this opportunity to go out there and he has never left. Uh, and now they're getting ready to start the first fully professional football league in Europe since NFL Europe in 2007. You know, so it's like that was a great interview and it, it was fascinating to hear what this guy was about. So I, I look for those stories. I find them um, and then I'll do others to heck this Friday. You'll never guess the topic is nobody's ever done a podcast like this as a football coach. It's about the carnivore diet right? and, and how it can increase your energy and so forth. So I've got this guy who wrote the carnivore cookbook, like a real famous author. I said, how can we utilize this? Because some people say this and that. So it's like, it's an, it's, you know, it's a dialogue. And I learned from people because I enjoy until I decide to go back into coaching and I, I haven't yet. Um, but um, in the meanwhile, I'm using this as my classroom to teach and to learn uh, and help coaches out. So I've got that show, the Manny Matsakis show. And then uh, I've got a website that's with it. It's just mannymatsakis.com. And, um, you know, in, in that, you know, where the different posts are on there and so forth. So it, it, it is fun and uh, doing that. And it has led to more speaking engagements and just, I don't know, that's how we hooked up. You know, we're online and you love football. I'm all about football. So it's like, why wouldn't we hook up like this? Well, and, and I, I feel very, uh, very fortunate to have, have met you and have this opportunity. Likewise, coach. Yeah. I'm going to tell a story of how we met. Um, we're a member. We're members of the grow the show podcast. Uh, that's, uh, that's authored by a guy named, uh, Kevin. Sh I think I hope I don't Schmedlin, butcher his name. Schmedlin. There we go. Where basically he helps podcasters expand their podcast. And I was looking for people to interview, you know, because uh, I like I like talking to people about sports because I love sports. You know, I'm a big football guy. I love basketball as well. So uh, Manny was gracious enough to contact me and and uh, and tell me about his background and and 
and informed me that he was interested in coming on the show so we could talk a little bit of football. And that's uh, and that's how this all that's how we got together. You know, so the Girl the Show podcast was very influential in making this interview happen. So I'm very grateful to Kevin, uh, Geraldine as well, who's a major, who's also one of the major authors on that podcast. She's the one that actually made me copy and paste my link where that you saw. <laughs> so oh, we can okay. able, yeah, cool. she's the one that gave me the advice. So I'm very grateful to her as well. So she made, she helped make this happen as well. So yeah, so if, you, if you're ever interested in starting a podcast, you know, if you want some, if you want some advice, Grow the Show is absolutely excellent. Uh, format to give you tools and so on to to open up uh, a a podcast you know for everyone of, of all topics it doesn't really matter but Manny again I'm really grateful for you being here okay uh, I'm grateful for your expertise yeah. thank you for sharing your knowledge about the coaching field and your experiences with these with these legendary coaches and yourself in terms of being one of the innovators of the jet sweep which is a very popular offense part of an offense that is used everywhere in college football even the pros as well you know, and everybody, if you get a chance to listen to wisdom on what it what is all things football, please tune in to the Manny Matsaka show. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Google. I'm assuming Apple as well. Oh, it's everywhere. Yep. A any podcast everywhere. player. Yep. It's on. Just, yeah. just search it and boom, you got Manny <laughs> everywhere. All right. Even on YouTube. Love I actually it. found him on YouTube as well. You got a little oh, bit. Yeah. You can't yeah, get up with Manny. Bit. Manny's everywhere. Yeah. Manny Matsakis, not Manny Diaz. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I ought to get him on the show. I need to give him a call to see how he's doing. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. definitely available. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. No, I, I, cause there's a lot to learn from those experiences. Yeah. You know, it, it, and I'm telling you, as an old coach told me once, you're just, you're one step away from the yeah. penthouse to the outhouse. So, I mean, be excited. Mario's there, but, yeah. I don't know. Three years from now, you don't know what's going to happen. You know? I know you just don't. And I, and I really, I'm excited. I've been down to Miami enough and, uh, at the, you know, down there with the hurricane staff and the dolphin staff and over the years. And in fact, when I was with Mike, uh, in Lubbock every year, you'll love this. Well, right. So every year, our staff at Texas tech, we would fly to Miami in May when right, right after recruiting was over, fly to Miami visit either the hurricanes. I think Coker was there. We were there or we, or we would go see the dolphins every other year. We'd pick one, spend a day or two, get in convertibles, drive to key West and stay the week in key West um, in a bit of a soiree with uh, the pirate, Mike Leach. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, it's a shame. He wasn't giving it a shot. You know, it's, it's <laughs> oh, a he's, real he's shame. doing fine now. He, he, he's, I, I know. It and, those cow, those cowbells are going, and, and you know what? You know they're playing Texas Tech in the bowl game this year. That is a bowl you, you, everybody should watch that because Texas Tech still owes him millions of dollars um, when he left there, <laughs> and there's a lawsuit there, and it's half. Yeah. Most of the fans are going to be waving pirate flags uh, for Leach from Lubbock. It, it's going to be, it's going to be wild. It should be pretty interesting. Yeah, he was wrong. For, yeah, he was wrong yeah. by Texas yeah. Tech. He really he oh, put them on the map. I mean, you you're, oh, yeah. you and yourself and him, you, you yeah. put Texas Tech on the map. They haven't been the same since. No, you know, to be frank with you, you know. Yeah. But I like I said, like we we like Mike down here. He should have been given a shot. You know, he probably would have still been the head coach. You know, oh, uh, yeah. if he was here. You know, yeah. um, and and I uh, got the, I had the pleasure of watching because him and Lane are are very funny personalities yeah. and lane yes, was also are. rumored to be a candidate for this job as well if mario said oh. no <laughs> yeah he was he was very rumored because lane owns a house here and, and oh, i think he has a yeah. girlfriend here too and <laughs> um 
And uh, that game was interesting, you know, between yeah, those two. Sure. It was, a chess, yeah. it was a nice chess match. Well, yeah, you know, he's got, there's a bunch of coaches got houses down there. Bob Stoops got a real nice house uh, on one of those islands, uh, just, just off of South Beach there, you know, when you look out there, he's got a beautiful home out there. So it's, it's, it's a, you'd be shocked how many coaches have places down there. Uh, Miami's a great town, great town. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised at all. Yeah. All right. Well, Manny, thank you so much okay. uh, for coming on appreciate the show. It. I okay. greatly appreciate it. Uh, so everybody out there in the podcasting world that enjoys podcasts, please uh, give Manny a bit of, please give Manny your ear, the Manny Masaka show. As mentioned, you can hear every episode, including interviews with people like Art Bryles, that wonderful interview that he did mention uh, with the head coach over at Vienna, Austria, and the okay. development of the professional football program over there. It's a great episode. I, I heard that one as well. It was nice as well. You also get a little bit of, of Manny's personality in terms of he gets real with his listeners on that show as well. All right. So please tune into the Manny Misaka show. You can hear it once again on Spotify, Google, Apple, name it. You can hear it. Manny's everywhere. Okay. Manny's absolutely everywhere. But again, don't forget me though. All right. I am Will. This is 305 Sports Now. If you like what you heard on this podcast, Please uh, don't forget to download, right? Don't forget to download on, on Anchor, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And we are a listener-supported podcast. So if you can, please go to anchor.fm and leave a small donation just to keep this show going. All right, for everybody, I'm Will. And once again, thanks, my, thank you my guest, Manny Misakis of the Manny Misakis Show. Have a wonderful day. God bless and see you soon.